Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from the book of John, the 13th chapter and beginning with the first verse. It was now the day before the feast of the Passover. Jesus knew that his hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. He had always loved those who were his own in the world, and he loved them to the very end. Jesus and his disciples were at supper. The devil had already decided that Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, would betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him complete power. He knew that he had come from God and was going to God. So Jesus rose from the table, took off his outer garment, and tied a towel around his waist. Then he poured some water into a wash basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and dry them with a towel around his waist. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Are you going to wash my feet, Lord? Jesus answered him, You do not know now what I am doing, but you shall know later. Peter declared, You will never at any time wash my feet. If I do not wash your feet, Jesus answered, You will no longer be my disciple. Simon Peter answered, Lord, do not wash only my feet, then wash my hands and my head too. Jesus said, whoever has taken a bath is completely clean and does not have to wash himself except for his feet. Lord, help us to understand what John is telling us about a way to live. Some time ago, I was called to come to visit a father that was greatly distressed. And the reason that he was distressed is because his only son, one of two children, a daughter and a son, his only son <clears throat> was uh, in prison, had been in prison, locked up <clears throat> because of some deed or act that he had been caught in. And in that situation, the father, as ever father would be, was beginning to question himself and think about uh, and maybe what he had done or not done that caused this thing to come about and what his involvement was and his responsibility as a father and his son not the making it within our society. And as he said to here, I have been as the best I know how to both of my children as a father and as a provider. And my daughter, she makes it and she was and is a lovely lady and doing a fantastic job within our society. And here the son, somewhere, someplace, misses the way and finds that he is in such conflict with our society uh, that he is incarcerated. And we wonder, well, what was it uh, that made the difference between these two children? Uh, when you read this scripture, perhaps the most logical and sane question to ask, would, uh, to strike at the heart of what John is saying, is ask the same question here. What is the thing that made the difference between Christ and his disciples? And now you've got to lay aside the fact that the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ, as John in this penetrating insight into what happened 
at the last night that Jesus was here upon this earth and see something of what John thought that really made the difference. Now you remember, John picks up the story. <clears throat> Part of it is back in the uh, 12th chapter in the upper room. And you remember before they got to the upper room that the disciples were in a heated debate and discussion as who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God. So much so that they had it picked out that there are those who wanted to have the right hand and the left hand position at Jesus' throne or at the judgment seat or wherever he was going to be. But have these positions of power. In fact, that they were so overcome by this type of argument among themselves, who was the greatest, that when it comes to the upper room, and this last night with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he wanted to say something to them so that they would be able to understand that here they were filled with such animosity, one toward the other, a lump bigger than an iceberg in their heart. And they had forgotten completely and totally of their custom and their procedures as they went to a meal. There was a basin of water and a towel. The custom was that the student would wash the feet of their teacher and the other students. I don't know how they had this worked out, but this was the customary thing for them to do. But this night, there was no one to go to the basin of water and to take the towel. And here we see this impossible situation uh, began to develop. The thing that the Lord Jesus Christ wanted to say to the disciples, he realized that he could not say it to them because of the situation uh, that uh, they were in, a hopeless situation, ruined uh, by the mood that was set on the way to the upper room. Hopeless, but not impossible. And the Lord Jesus Christ, according to John, did the impossible. And that is something was unheard of, completely unheard of. And that is the teacher girds himself with a towel and takes a basin of water and begins to wash the feet of his students or his disciples as Jesus did. And Peter finds his voice and objects to it in a very strenuous way. And speaking for all of them, I am quite sure as he often did. And rightly so, you do not do this, Lord. And then Jesus says something to him that I don't quite understand, but uh, perhaps Peter did later on. And Jesus is able to do this thing without losing face. Now, if it has been one of the other disciples that had taken a basin of water and girded himself with a towel and began to wash the feet of the rest of the disciples, you see, we would have known, would we not, who was the least in the kingdom. And that's precisely what they thought, you see. I cannot do this thing that is customary to be done and that a student or the disciple ought to do, because if I take that towel and take that basin, it is no question about it. I won't have the right hand or the left hand side of the Lord Jesus Christ. I won't be considered for these places of power and prestige, you see. And so they couldn't do it. But Jesus did. Now, folks, there's one place and one place alone in the scripture that I found uh, where this is said. And as John looks at the situation, I am not quite sure he understood it that night, but later on when he began to think about what happened that night and was able to see that Jesus was able to lay aside his garment, so to speak, the prestige of the kingdom, the Messiah, the Lord, and do this unheard of thing, how could he do it? And John caught the vision, and this is what he said. 
he knew that he came from God and was going to God. He knew that he came from God and was going to God. And in this sense, John understood then why Jesus could do what he did. Now, folk, I do not know anything that I'll ever say to you or ever can say to you that can be more meaningful or say anything more profound than I have just read to you just now. It is the thing that can turn your world upside down, inside out, and if you have not discovered it already, it can make your world never the same again. And I want to tell you, it's not going to be for the worse. It's going to be in a fantastic way. When you come to the place, now this information was not just knowledge that Jesus could have. No, he tries to tell us many different ways. John is telling us here the same thing. You see, this is knowledge that you can have. You can know that you are from God. And you can most certainly know that this very moment that you are going back to God, that is a decision that you can make if you have not already made it. And I want to tell you something that can do something to this new year that you have never had done before unless you have this kind of knowledge. Now let me tell you what it did for the Lord Jesus Christ. Look what it did for him. Do the same for us. I don't care who you are, where you are, what your name happens to be, uh, whether you think you're high on a totem pole or low on a totem pole. It really doesn't make any difference. This is not knowledge for just one or two people. But this is knowledge for every one of us here this morning. Every one of us. Now, I take note of the fact as I look at the Lord Jesus Christ, I can conclude as John did. This knowledge did something for him and it did this for him. And we know that it did. It was able to set him free. Set him free in such a way that he could truly be the person that God intended for him to be. No one, any more than the Lord Jesus Christ, had people trying to tell him what to do, how to do it, and when to do it, as Jesus did. The world is always trying to do that. And we try to do it to one another. Why, there's not a one of you here, but what can't tell me more perfectly how to be a preacher than I know how to be? <laughs> well, I can tell you how to be a good layman, too, you see. But it may not necessarily coincide with what Jesus has called you to be and what God created you to be, you see. And this kind of information, this kind of knowledge distilled down, drifts down to where your soul, the citadel of your being, and when it becomes knowledge that you know that you know that you know that I am from God and I am going back to God. Oh, what a difference it makes, you see. We know what a banker should look like and a doctor preacher, and we know what grandmas should look like and act like. Two friends of mine were, well, it's four of them, in a restaurant here not too long ago, and they was telling me about uh, a lady, young lady that came in, and right across the table from them away, and she and this little girl were having their meal too. And somewhere in the conversation, this little girl called uh, this uh, woman Granny, and one turned to the other and said, did you hear what that uh, little girl called uh, this lady sitting over here said, called her granny. This one turns around and said, well, she may be a granny, but I've never seen a granny look like that before. Uh, we sort of have this in mind, you know, what they're supposed to look like and how they're supposed to act. You see, Jesus Christ, look at this. There were certain folk who knew that the Lord Jesus Christ wasn't supposed to associate with certain people. 
Oh, you know that from the scripture comes out again and again. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, they knew that Jesus Christ was not the Messiah because he did not associate with the right people according to what they thought. Even the disciples thought that Jesus shouldn't be in the room alone with a certain woman. He shouldn't be talking to another woman at noonday at the well, you know. You just don't do that, you know. They knew precisely what he was supposed to be, how he was supposed to act, and what he was supposed to say. And we know that he was chastised because he didn't wash in a certain way before he ate him, his disciples. Tell who you are by who you associate with, you know. He was not supposed to heal on the Sabbath day, and nor was he supposed to eat grain uh, from a field that he happened to be walking through on the Sabbath day. Oh, he wasn't supposed to give pot to these uh, type of uh, situations where people were uh, really sick on the Sabbath day and, and needed the help of God. Uh, nor was he supposed to heal the eyes of a blind person because they knew this was a sin of his are the sins of his mother and father that caused this. And this wasn't to be alleviated. But you see, something fantastic that Jesus knew, and it kept him from being dominated by this desire that within our heart and our soul to be accepted. It means to be accepted is not being yourself. Aren't you tired of being what other people expect you to be? Well, most of us from time to time, we come to the place where we begin to wrestle with that problem. I was in a group some years ago, and I'll never forget this conversation. And because there was two groups uh, mixed here in this uh, social city, and one lady was asking another about a mutual friend. And she said, I haven't seen this lady for a while. And I know that you are in the social circles with her. And how is she doing? And the other lady responded, she said, oh, no, I'm not in that circle anymore. I, I'm not in that group of, uh, of socializing anymore. I don't know how she is. You see, we come to the place where we will make almost any sacrifice that needs to be made in order for us to belong to some group within our society. We're so busy wearing the mask of someone else's design uh, that we don't know who we really are. And so therefore we cannot proceed to be the totally free person that God created us to be. But when you know that you are from God and going back to God, it frees you from your society and the pressure that it puts on it, on you to conform to certain mores of our society that are ridiculous and foolish. And it kept the Lord Jesus Christ from getting lost in our society. Kept him from getting lost in the crowd and the value that the crowd has. And this is best seen too, the difference between the disciples, the spirit of the disciples and the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no question about it, the disciples, just like you and I, if we're not careful, we're tuned into the world. And so the spirit of the world becomes our spirit. And our spirit is the spirit of the world. And see, they were tied up here in such a way that they were arguing over who was the greatest in life. And our world demands power and prominence and places of, uh, of high authority. And we figure that if we go high on this type of totem pole, uh, that we have uh, uh, scaled the, the scale to where the ladder to success, you see. Now you take a look at the Lord Jesus Christ again. This world demands power. And we say, well, it's not one of us, but what doesn't know that we're better than the person that cleans for us? Just ask me. 
And we know that those whom we have power over as a boss or instructor, whatever that might be, uh, that we're better than they are if we're not careful. Because, you see, we have more power than they do. But you notice that there's a difference between the spirit of the disciples and the spirit of Christ. And the reason the disciples ran into such confusion is because they tried to cater to this type of concept of power, you see. Well, it is a fact, dear friends, that we may be better than those who serve us or better than the people who wash the feet of our society, but it will not be because of the job that they have or the position that they hold. Because, you see, when you back off and look what John is saying, that the people that might be washing the feet of our society are one and the same with the Lord Jesus Christ. It keeps you from getting lost. You don't get caught up in the power structure in such a way uh, that you lose all your identity and all your happiness and all your peace of mind. He didn't have to say to his society and to the disciples, he didn't have to turn to the disciples and say to them, now how am I doing? He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to say to, to his friends, now how am I doing? Because he knew that he was from God and was going back to God. And now he is free. He doesn't get lost in the crowd and in the shuffle in our society. He's got his identity. He knows his coming and his going. And John says that makes a difference. It kept him from being defeated too. Oh, this world, how it can lay stress on us. And we can come to the place where we take on this defeatist attitude and become defeated if we're not sure. If we're not sure who we are and what we are and what we're called to be. You see, we can be defeated because we become fearful and because we become frustrated and we lose all sense of direction and all hope. You know, a friend of mine was telling me about their mother and said that they have some people, some of the family in California, and they wanted to give this mother a plane ticket to California to visit the rest of the family. And the mother flat out refused to go simply because she was afraid to ride in a plane to California. She just knew that thing wouldn't make it, and her legs were not quite that long. And so she just refused just to go. She will not go. But what if I had the power to reassure this mother now, if you want to really to see the other part of your family, the son and your son and his family in California, I can give you absolute assurance that that plane will leave from here and will make it to California without any problem at all. No problem. Now, of course, I don't have that ability, but what if I could convince that mother that that would happen? Really convince her at the deepest place of her being. Well, he has that power. He said it's going to take off from here. And a few hours, it's going to be in California. It's not going to be a hitch in it. And I'm going to be there, and I'm going to see my family while she'd get on board that plane. And what would happen when she gets on board that plane? If she was completely sold on the thought that this plane is 110% safe, well, she'd be completely at ease, would she not? She wouldn't be sitting there all tense and tied up and worrying about this, that, or the other. And holding on to the ceiling of the plane and make it lighter, you know, that type of situation. She'd be there in a casual way. And perhaps she would talk to her neighbor next to her that was riding. Or maybe she would read. Or maybe she would have some of the most pleasant thoughts that you could ever possibly imagine what she is going to say 
to her son and daughter-in-law when she gets there. Or what she's going to bring back to her husband and family at home. By whatever way you want to slice it, if she was really convinced, she would be completely at ease and she would be comfortable and her mind that God has given to her would be working in such a beautiful way that she would be just a lovely person to be with on that flight. You know, just a lovely person. Now you think about this. You came from God. I hope no one here this morning doubts that situation. That's a fact. It's a tragedy. It's sad if you do doubt that. You are a thought and a mind of God. And you're much a creation of God as anything that God has ever created. That's a fact. You are from God. And has not God told us through the Lord Jesus Christ that one day you're going to go back to God? And take note what Jesus said. Let not your heart be troubled. See, here's assurance. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I sort of told you. I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I am going to come again. He just say he's going to send an angel. No, no. Jesus says, I am going to come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you might be also. Think of that. This is what John was saying. If we're on a plane, our destination is secure because Jesus has said so. Now, dear friends, why do we go about this world tied up in knots like we are? Be at ease. We know where we're going. It is signed, sealed, and delivered. You can afford to be kind to your neighbor. That is not kindly. You can afford to be at ease. When Jesus knew that he was from God and was going back to God, he was able to do all of these things, and one of them, he could not be defeated. He could not be defeated. There's an impossibility. The last thing I would call to your attention is the simple fact that this knowledge kept him from becoming cynical or embittered in life. Now, I don't care how you try to protect yourself. You do that the best you can, all of us do. And there are those things that happen to us in life that is just absolutely shattering to us. I'm just going to be terrible, just be hard, and so disappointing, and so frustrating. But how do you handle those things? How do you handle those crushing blows that, that come to you? Think again about what John saw in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here he comes into the world, the Son of God, the one perfect person upon the face of this earth, and his critics never let upon him the whole time he was here upon the face of this earth. He was insulted. He was mistreated. He suffered shame and pain and disgrace and died between two thieves upon a cross. And yet you see the Lord Jesus Christ was never cynical are never embittered. Even while he was on the cross dying, he turned to one who had turned already turned to him and told him, you will be with me this day in paradise. And we find that the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ was still open, even to those who had abused him and had mistreated him in such a way. How could he do it? What was it that made the difference? Now, my dear friends, I tell you what made the difference. He knew that he had come from God and was going to God. And nothing could change that here upon the face of this God-given earth. 
And I want to tell you the same power, the same identical power that was in charge of the Lord Jesus Christ is one and the same power that your life is lodged in if it's committed. He was able to talk to the lowly people in the street without losing any of his identity or his face or his prestige. He was able to take time with the little children and, and hold them on his lap and, and talk to them and love them. He was able to let himself be nailed to a cross and yet believing and trusting in the goodness of God and man. You see then he took the common hour and filled it with a golden opportunity. And he took these opportunities that came to him to serve. And he dressed them in such a way. He took these common things and turned them into garments that is, were the most beautiful to be worn by any king anywhere, any place. Now, folks, a similar opportunity is open to you in your life. You have the time. And the same God that brought him into the world and called him home is one and the same God as in charge of your life. Now, in closing, let me say this, because it's the starting of a new year. So the promised land is out here before us. If there happens to be anyone here yet that you know you're from God, but you're really not sure that you're going back to God, I want to tell you, you can make that decision this morning to make it absolutely sure of your own heart and soul. If there be one here this morning that does not know this, what better opportunity do you have to come to this altar this morning and to settle it now and forever? By simply making your commitment to God and saying to him, Lord, I want to return with the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of his words, finishing the work he started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven.